The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to Nicodemus, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The one who believes in him is not condemned, but the one who does not believe is condemned already, for not having believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today we celebrate the great solemnity of the Holy Trinity, and rather than try to enter into the whole mystery of how God can be three in one, I'd like to concentrate more on what does the Holy Trinity mean for us personally when we open our lives to these persons. Our readings today really give us wonderful clues. It begins with the first reading from Exodus chapter 34, where Moses encounters God in a very particular way. And actually we can go back to Exodus chapter 3, where Moses hears this voice coming from the burning bush, and the voice, which of course is God, tells Moses to confront Pharaoh to let the Israelites go from captivity into freedom. Moses objects and says, well, who am I? And God says, well, I will be with you. And then Moses says, well, if I go to my people and tell them this, and they ask, who is it that sent you? How do I respond? That is when we hear the great revelation of God's name, Yahweh. I am who I am. This is a very important clue because that name revealed by God, Yahweh, is actually a very personal covenant name. God desires to enter into a covenant with his people, not a contract or a business arrangement, rather an exchange of persons like a marriage. And that's going to be very important in this revelation of the Holy Trinity. Well, God showed his love for his people because he did free them from Pharaoh when Moses confronted him after the 10 plagues. Now they're traveling through the desert, they're free, but they start murmuring and complaining that they don't have the quality of food they had when they were in captivity. God responds by giving them manna by day and quail by night, but also giving them this great gift of the law on Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments. And that was a great gift, and it said, basically, the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before you. What happened? They had other gods before them. In fact, there was a great apostasy shortly thereafter when they were impatient with Moses on the mountain, and the people entered into idolatry by crafting two golden calves and worshiping them instead of the one true God. Well, God is ready to start over with a new people, and Moses intercedes for his people. God relents. But Moses is now more fully aware that if God is not present to the people as they journey into the Promised Land, they will perish. And so Moses pleads with God that God personally be present to them on their journey. And that brings us to Exodus chapter 34, because God responds by saying to Moses, go up to Mount Sinai, 
and I will reveal myself to you. Moses does that, and then we have that famous response, the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Moses responds, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, I pray, let the Lord go with us. For although this is a very stiff-necked people, pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. A great prayer of intercession. God shows himself to Moses, reveals his sacred name again, Yahweh, this covenant name, this personal, intimate name. And then throughout the rest of the Old Testament, we have God making this covenant and keeping it. Well, that brings us to the way in which God will be present personally to his people. In the incarnation, God sends his only begotten son so that we would have Jesus present with us on earth. And that is what Jesus is telling Nicodemus in today's gospel from John chapter 3. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. We see right in that short statement a Trinitarian reference. God, that would be the Father, so loved the world and that loved would be the Holy Spirit because the love between the Father and the Son is the Spirit. God so loved the world he gave his only begotten Son. So we have this great revelation of the Trinity, and then we know from just the past celebrations that when Jesus was raised from the dead, after he had given himself so thoroughly to his people, to us, by laying down his life on the cross, in his resurrection and ascension, he returns to the Father, and the Father and the Son now send the Holy Spirit, so that there's an even more intimate presence to each of us, where the Trinity now dwells within our soul, through the sacraments, particularly baptism, which opens us to the grace of the life of God. There is the great revelation of the Holy Trinity. And now we have this great opportunity to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity living within us. So let's now key on the dynamic of the inner life of God Theologians have come to realize that God is an inner communion of knowing and loving. Each of the persons is actually a relationship within the one essence. And each knows the other so thoroughly and knows the other in their goodness that there's this inner attraction by each of the persons to the other. So eternal that each of the persons wants to give themselves in this dynamic interpersonal exchange. Now that gives us a clue as to how we are to live our lives. In this Trinitarian relationship of knowing and loving, there's eternal joy because each of the persons is standing outside themselves for the other. And that is what's known as an ecstatic relationship, ecstasy, comes from the two words, act, which means out of, and the verb stare, which means to stand. So to stand outside each of the persons for the other is where this great joy comes from, this ecstasy within the Holy Trinity. 
So much so that God desires to bring us into existence and love us and invite us into this inner joy of knowing God in this very, very personal way. Now, how do we do that? Through the sacraments. Particularly in this Mass, the whole Mass is structured around the Trinity. And that's why we have, at the beginning of the Mass, the very famous opening, which comes from today's second reading, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. And then the congregation responds, and with your spirit. So the Mass is this real entrance into this dynamism of knowing and loving so that we enter into now a communion of love, not only with the Trinity, but with each other. And we do that precisely through the Eucharist, where we take Christ into our souls with the Holy Spirit, and we become this one body in Christ for each other, standing outside of ourselves, not separate, not it's for me, but rather all for the community and for those especially in great need. Now I bring this all up because this particular Sunday we are entering into a new mass schedule. And it gives us an opportunity to come together more intimately as a community. We are a family of parishes. Now we have fewer masses. But again, an opportunity for people to come together at Mass, and then through the grace of God, the Holy Trinity living within us, and the Eucharist being received, we reach out of ourselves, we welcome those who we don't know, and we get to know them on this deep level, so that the Trinity is now manifest in the community. And that's what Jesus died for. There's this beautiful Russian icon of the Blessed Trinity painted by a monk by the name of Rublev, and it depicts the three persons of the Trinity sitting at a table. And there is a dish of food on the table. What's apparent and what strikes the viewer is that at the front of the table there's a vacant place, and that vacant place is meant to express the openness, the hospitality, the welcome toward those who are on the outside, the stranger, the outcast. It's really meant for us. That's what the Mass is, and we are invited into this great unity with Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Father to bring others into it and to enjoy the divine life of God. When we do that, we truly become a community that welcomes the stranger and has a place for everyone so that our family of parishes grows in the image and likeness of God. And we were created in that image and likeness. One final thought, Pope St. John Paul II often taught what he called the law of the gift. The law of the gift expressed by the Holy Father is that to the extent that we give ourselves away to another, that's when we really understand who we are. We can't understand ourselves except for this going out of ourselves in love toward another. Now, if we really grasped that, we would truly be 
a community that images God. We come out of ourselves, we go to the stranger, we sacrifice our time, talent, and treasure for the sake of the community, and in the process we discover who we really are, created in the image of the Trinity, and brought into this great, great joy of the divine life.